Time for us to check in with Vaughn Palmer on this Friday morning from the Vancouver Sun. Good morning, Vaughn. Good morning, Simi. Okay, a little deja vu here with the uh, BC Conservative Party. It's back. Yeah, every generation or so we get an attempt to, to uh, create another party on the right of the political spectrum in British Columbia. We had uh, way back when the Socrates were in power, there was a movement in the 90s for um, the Reform Party, and that did some damage to the chances of the B.C. Liberals. Uh, we had a revival hmm, 10 years ago, B.C. Conservatives under John Cummins, a federal MP, and now we have, and this is serious problem for the B.C. Liberals, former B.C. Liberal MLA, long-time cabinet minister, John Rustad, going for the leadership of the B.C. Conservative Party. Uh, he's got a website, and he's running as a, a pro-freedom, pro-resource development, anti-woke... And a candidate who says, free the anti-vax healthcare workers and let them go back to work. So he's staked out a whole bunch of territory out there that he says is not representative, really, by either of the major parties. And that's what he's going for. He does have a point, Simi. I, I think you could accurately say, in spite of the way that the two main parties, the Liberals and the New Democrats, hack away at each other, uh, they neither one of them really represents those positions, pro-truck convoy, anti-vax uh, sympathies, and um, anti-woke. Um, none of them really represent that. So Rustad is staking out a bit of territory out there that really doesn't have a representative at the moment. This sounds like, like uh, Maxime Bernier territory. Yeah, it does. Yeah. And, you know, Mad Max, uh, I hate, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> it's such a great nickname. Uh, but, uh, yeah, and, and even, you know, some people would say that Polyev has taken a position on the populist right as well. You know, I, I again, you know, look back at Cummins and uh, 10 years ago, and there was an awful lot of coverage suggested he could cut into liberal support and Christy Clark support, and he ended up not really going anywhere. Um, he did well before the election, but in the election, the electorate repolarized, and Cummins didn't win any seats. He got about 4% of the vote. What's different this time? Well, a couple of things. I mean, first of all, Rustad has a platform in the B.C. legislature. Cummins was a former Tory MP. He didn't really have that kind of daily platform. Well, second thing is, uh, Rustad is choosing a different set of issues. And so that's significant. He's, he's picking up on a populist theme out there. I, I, I commend you, Simi, and the listener to go to John Rustad's website, John Rustad for Leader. When you go there, you'll see the issues he's picked up on, but you'll also see a charming picture of John Rustad holding a bunny rabbit in his arms. Simi, these populists will stop at nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I will. I want to see that picture, actually. I'm going to go look that up. Uh, but how much of a concern is this to the B.C. Liberals, Vaughn, do you I think? I think it's a real concern. You know, uh, uh, the New Democrats have been dealing with this for a long time, the Green Party. 
it, it chips away at their support on the left on environmental issues. And at times, you know, uh, in spite of the best efforts of the NDP, the Greens have taken enough votes in some elections, in some ridings, to cost the NDP seats. Well, the flip side concern for the B.C. Liberals, the Liberals, like the New Democrats, especially at election time, you crowd into the center. You try to build as broad a coalition of of voters as you can, and you sort of recognize that British Columbia at the moment is kind of a bit center left. So you have to be you really as a liberals, you have to cross into NDP territory. Well, uh, the great concern is that as the liberals do that, uh, they get attacked on the right, and a party on the right in a bunch of B.C. ridings uh, could take enough votes to cost the Liberals seats. And, of course, the Liberals are trying to make up a whole bunch of seats that they lost in 2017 and 2020. So the threat here is real, and Simi, the Liberals, Kevin Falcon brought this on himself. He kicked John Rustad out of his caucus on a climate action issue. Falkland did it, felt he had to do it in order to show that he was a decisive leader and that he was serious about uh, carbon taxation and climate change. But he created this dynamic out there that is now allowing John Rustad seek the conservative leadership. The leadership's vacant. He's probably going to win it. And then sit in the legislature, uh, have a presence to speak between now and the election, and look, if Rustad can attract one more disaffected B.C. liberal, he gets party status. And that's even more of a threat to the liberal chance of a comeback. Isn't this why, you know, Kevin Falcon felt the B.C. liberals needed to change their name? Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> he thought they should change their name and he's been arguing for it for two years, but he hasn't done it yet. I mean, that is it looking like an increasingly bizarre dynamic. Uh, it was, yes, you're right. The liberals felt they needed to change their name so that people, B.C. voters uh, who hate the name liberal because of the federal government, uh, can't bring themselves to vote for the liberal name on a ballot. And so Falcon's argument, Falcon himself, a former federal conservative, in fact, a Maxime Bernier supporter at one point. So Falcon saying, yeah, we need to change our name to the to BC United. Well, they haven't done it yet. They say they're working on it. Uh, they're right, trying to pick the right moment to do it. But yeah, we're, we're in kind of a, a political limbo there. Uh, the party formerly known as the BC Liberals, oh, wait a minute, they're still the BC Liberals. That's still their official name. Okay. Now, let's also talk about what the BC government is up to. What is the deal with this court case? So there's a huge court case uh, before the Supreme Court of Canada uh, this week, argued at the Supreme Court of Canada, Alberta versus Ottawa, issues provincial rights. Uh, the case regards the new, well, new was enacted in 2019, federal legislation that allows the federal government to wield a stronger hand in approving resource projects that, in Ottawa's opinion, affect the public interest right across the country. So that's the issue. Alberta says the law is unconstitutional, intrudes into provincial rights, and Alberta has support from a number of other Canadian provinces. However, there's one Canadian province that doesn't really support Alberta. That's B.C., 
BC inter- BC supported the legislation when it was enacted in 2019. BC NDP supported it, and the BC NDP government submitted a brief to the High Court that says Alberta's wrong. The legislation is not unconstitutional. However, BC also simi tries to stake out the middle ground a bit on the issue by saying, however, the law doesn't give Alberta a f- a federal government a free hand to simply quash provincially backed resource projects, all it does is allow the federal government to attach conditions. So, for example, a mine, uh, a major radio, a river development, Ottawa, because the fishery is federal interest, the federal government could say, uh, well, you know, there have to be protection measures to protect the fish. Doesn't mean they can kill the project. Doesn't mean they does mean they can attach conditions. Okay, so this is still proceeding there, but BC seems to have put itself right in the middle of this thing. Yes, I think that's a pretty good way to put it, Simi. And if the Fed, if the High Court is looking for grounds for compromise, they could do worse than read the, the BC government brief because it does go right down the middle. It says that it the law is not unconstitutional. It's it's perfectly within federal jurisdiction, but the law does not give Ottawa a free hand on provincial projects. So where you've got an interprovincial pipeline, and remember, BC lost a fight over this, where you have an interprovincial pipeline, well, that's federal. But where you have a mine or a timber cutting permit or a hydroelectric dam that, that really just affects one province, then Ottawa can intervene and Ottawa can attach conditions, but they can't just squash uh, provincial jurisdiction because our Constitution divides the power over the environment between the federal and provincial levels. It's, it's a messy thing because, of course, when the Constitution, when the original British North America Act was enacted way back in the 19th century, environmentalism wasn't an issue. So not surprisingly, there's overlapping jurisdiction. BC says the high court has to respect provincial jurisdiction, but BC says BC's reading of the federal law is that it does respect the two jurisdictions. Hmm. Interesting one. All right, Vaughn, thank you. Bye-bye, Simi.